Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please click that subscribe button if you haven't already and please share widely with others as well. It makes a huge difference indeed. Today we are focusing the conversation on philanthropy in India and we're going to be taking a close look at Edelgive Foundation. Joining us today is Magma Mula, who is the Chief Executive Officer of the Edelgive Foundation. She's joining us from Bombay, and we're going to be talking about the work they're doing at Edelgive. Uh, they're both uh, they're a grant-making organization, and they help both with financial support and also non-financial support, uh, such as capacity building, increasing awareness, and that sort of stuff. They are committed to supporting NGOs and empowering women and children, uh, particularly those in most vulnerable situations. And one of the key things we're going to be talking about today as well is the fact that they've just launched the Grow Fund, Grow, G-R-O-W, the Grow Fund. They've just closed applications and they've raised about 14 million US dollars and they're aiming to support around 100 NGOs in India, across the whole of India and actually in this case being sector agnostic. So we're going to be looking at the Grow Fund as well. Very interesting. I'm always keen to find out about philanthropy in India. There's so much going on in that country, both in terms of the need and also in terms of the wealth being generated in the philanthropy and the appetite for philanthropy that's coming to the fore. Now, before we kick things off, I'd like to extend a heartfelt thanks to our sponsors, Quilt AI. Quilt AI is an artificial intelligence-powered consumer insights and market research platform. They currently work with approximately 100 clients, ranging from large corporates such as Coca-Cola, Unilever, and Visa, to technology companies such as Twitter and Amazon, and large philanthropic organizations, such as the Gates Foundation, the World Bank, Girl Effect, the UN, and Children's Investment Fund Foundation. With 6 million data sources and hundreds of AI models, they're able to answer any consumer or beneficiary research problem across more than 90 countries. And in 2019, their mission-based technology approach led The Economist to calling them an AI for good company. So do check them out at quilt.ai. As I mentioned a minute ago today, it's such a pleasure to welcome onto the show Nagma Mula, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Edelgive Foundation. She's joining us from Bombay. I'm here in London. And a big heartfelt welcome onto the Do One Better podcast today. Thank you so much, Alberto. Thank you for inviting me here. I'm very excited to be speaking to you. Excellent. Well, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Tell us a little bit about the Edelgive Foundation and the Grow Fund. Tell us a little bit about these two. So Edelgave is almost uh, 13 years old. Uh, we are a young foundation. We were started by some young business people who found uh, success in business and uh, thought, let's give back in, in a little way. Uh, but as the founders looked around, they realized that the journey in business is almost being replicated in the journey's philanthropy, which is there are a lot of brilliant small models. But the, the road to scale and the road to establishing sustainability is not always that easy. And sometimes it's just about knowing something and being in the right place at the right time. So Edelgive was formed really to bridge the gap between funding and between the extensive work that Grassroots does. So it's been 13 years, but our model still is based on the fundamental principle of bridging the gap between nonprofits and for-profits. We also enable connection through resources, which are not just financial, which means skill and capacities that come from the corporate sector. Uh, for the last 13 years, we've been working in education, women empowerment, livelihoods, rural livelihoods across the country, 
We work with more than 150 grassroots initiatives in this country. Uh, we're working with about six collaboratives. Uh, we are, you know, our education collaboratives working with more than 1.4 million children. So lots of work that has gone in. But uh, currently, we're in the cusp of something extremely interesting uh, called the Grow Fund, which you rightly said is, uh, you know, one of the first of its kind. We are looking to use all our expertise of the last 13 years to really find a way of building empathetic structures of funding. How can we come together uh, as funders and uh, together fund 100 great initiatives across a country as diverse as India? How do we use our best brains, processes, and technology to identify the final 100? And how do we give them very professional, sustainable support for two years so that they grow? And that's the entire idea behind Grow. Uh, we launched it saying, let's take a bet. But we're just overwhelmed with the love that we received from the funders, from grassroots. Um, just closed applications. We received more than 2,300 applications. And we're going to be fairly busy the next two months just uh, sifting through and coming down to the final 100. Yeah. I speak from some experience. I know exactly how time-consuming it can be to filter down a, a huge volume of inbound applications for funding. And you said you said you work with collaboratives, but it sounds to me that you could also be described yourselves as a collaborative. Uh, yeah. So uh, for the first three four years, we were really a small niche funding unit. Uh, we used uh, the the funds that our parent Edelweiss Financial Services would give us, and we would just test. And that's why I still believe, I tell a lot of philanthropists that the best way to understand philanthropy is by burning your money. Uh, philanthropy is uh, all about taking risks for better human impact. And so that's what we did. First three, four years, we simply uh, spent to learn. We, we, we met some phenomenal young minds across the country. Um, in different parts of, the, of, of India, we funded work in education, livelihoods and women's empowerment and gained a lot of understanding. Also through practice, understood what are the roadblocks why does funding come so difficult um, to be able to then, ha you know, uh, figure out what are the gaps? Uh, why don't people understand? How do good pitches happen? Uh, what is the route to great sustainable funding? On the other hand, how to enable trust to be built so that funders can give uh, with lesser inhibition, with lesser costs and with more, more zeros to the check. So, uh, yeah, that's so we've been doing that for a decade. And that's why uh, we are currently very very comfortable in the fact that something like a grow is going to happen. Excellent. And the Grow Fund itself, I understand that the funders are not just individuals from India. It's uh, uh, organizations from across the world and organizations that look very different from each other. Absolutely. We have Europe. We have Switzerland, for example. We have, uh, we have funders from Singapore, funders from the U.S., uh, and funders from India. We have corporates. We have uh, individuals and we have foundations. And that was the idea. I think uh, the world right now and the chaos that COVID has brought needs a lot of blended approaches, uh, whether it is in blended finance or blended systems. Uh, it's blended that, that's going to help us hedge a lot of risks and also mitigate, mitigate a lot of things that are, that are missed, you know, because we are really navigating unseen territory. And uh, why, why not get many stakeholders at the same table and use the blended finance to do good? Mm. Now, raising 14 million US dollars is not easy by any means. It's not. <laughs> and that's 14 million. It's 14 million today. It could be even more tomorrow. How do you go about that? How, I mean, it's, I'm sure many people listening to this 
are saying, oh yeah, great, uh, but uh, where, do, where do you even start? How do you, how do you go ahead with the fundraising? So I think fundraising and philanthropy is uh, as or uh, as difficult or as easy as fund- fundraising for any kind of capital, really. So uh, I've never uh, really been bogged down by the fact that there is a no, no return game going on in philanthropy. I think uh, showcasing value is extremely important and also knowing the stakeholder is very important. So every funder should not be collaborative. Every funder should not go solo. So it's very important to also go to the right group. And uh, one of the things that I find are mostly lacking in many strategies is, you know, first identifying the target group. uh, And that itself reduces a lot of bandwidth. Of course, I also had the benefit of a decade worth of goodwill. So when something like this happened, going to the right players who've been watching us really navigate these uh, strange uh, times was very simple. But yes, it was all about the first two, three. I think MacArthur Foundation was fantastic. They hopped on very early. Uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation hopped on very early. Uh, from India, Rohini Nilekani Philanthropies, Amit Chandra's uh, A.T. Chandra Foundation. Uh, they were the early uh, movers on this. And then uh, we had such a brilliant initial cohort that we had more you know, great people join in. And uh, we're looking forward to have more. I think the, the, there, are, there are so many great institutions and people, but we need to find ways to bring them together. Fascinating. And uh, so those names you're mentioning, MacArthur, Gates, I mean, those are huge names in the world of philanthropy. You mentioned the Grove Fund is sector agnostic and also across the whole of India. What's the, what's the angle? What is it that, they're, that these funders are coming to the table and saying, okay, we want to back this? What is, what's the, is it about the, the notion of scalability, improving the systems of philanthropy in the country? Tell us a little bit about the angle. So I challenge the definition of scale, especially in terms of India. Uh, you know, if you know even a little bit about the way India is structured, even with or without philanthropy, it's a complex country. It's a diverse country. It's a vast country. Uh, so I, there are the chances of something scaling up. Uh, fantastic if it does. And well, who, who defines scale in India? So, you know, uh, this, Bombay, anything in Bombay is much bigger than anything you could, you could do in London. So uh, scale is extremely relative. The value proposition for everybody who joins Grow is that India is beyond the first 10, 15 names in philanthropy that you hear. India is actually a lot of these smaller people, smaller institutions who are uh, quietly but very strongly uh, really watching the grassroots and operating there. When COVID struck, uh, over two, two days, this entire ecosystem of grassroots networks had mobilized itself and had become final delivery, you know, final delivery points for ration and for food security. There is immense power in that segment. What we are trying to say is while we scale the scalable models, there needs to be an an avenue where good finance can find the many brilliant mid-sized ideas across the country. Uh, Because that's where actually people are, uh, the institutions are starved for good capital and good support. And uh, number two is, I, I keep repeating, scale is of two kinds. Scale can be, you know, you spread across geographies. And scale can be you go deeper, you know, you you move to eradicate a problem from a place or you move to eradicate a particular problem from many places. And in India, we have to be very mindful of the kind of scale we we choose. So this structure is actually challenging these two things and saying, why can uh, not we as funders uh, actually reduce our risk by joining hands 
you know, get into a structure that is well-programmed, well, uh, you know, uh, complied and transparent and uh, get a really uh, beautiful view of 100 fantastic things happening at the same time. Mm. So if I'm describing this correctly, and if I understand this correctly, and I always appreciate that giving money philanthropically when you're talking about millions is not easy to do because you're always going to be looking for that pipeline originating really good opportunities in which to invest or fund. Is it accurate to say then in some ways these big global foundations are are being helped by your ability to have visibility onto what's happening on the ground and giving them that opportunity to originate really good funding opportunities that would otherwise be quite distant from them and would possibly be invisible to them. Absolutely. Like I said, 2,300 uh, organizations have voluntarily registered with us. They are across the nooks and corners of the country. I mean, we actually have a conversation happening here. You know, if we just sit down for a month and look at everything that we've heard, people talking about their programs and what they're doing, what the problem of the land, there's such a brilliant amount of information there where people have volunteered to come in and speak to us about what they need and why why they should be funded. I think that's a wealth of uh, listening here. And uh, again, given the environment that there is, the amount of distress that the world over and, and India in particular is facing, it's very va- it's a very valuable conversation. And going forward, why not have these structures that will help us go to many at the same time instead of identifying the one hero amongst you know many applications? And that's what really we are trying to say. And these are big organizations. Of course, Grow is not the only thing they are funding. So this is, in that sense, uh, something that they've chosen to invest in and see what happens further. We as Edelgiv are very excited. I'm definitely not stopping at Grow. There will be a Grow 2, 3, 4, 5. Why not? Uh, because uh, we are pressure testing ourselves. We are pressure testing some great processes. And we're very delighted by the way the environment and the ecosystem is supporting us. Mm-hmm. And so the Grow Fund now, once once you identify those 100 NGOs who you think really merit that engagement, and you have, you've raised 14 million, and I think maybe you mentioned about looking at two-year commitments. Does that mean that all things being equal, each one of these organizations would be getting uh, $140,000? No, no, we are not because they are going to be. So there's, there's three parts to the fund. One and the largest one is the fact that it is going to be a, a, a term fund, which is it's a sharp two-year grant everyone gets the same amount. So that's it. Everyone gets $60,000 per year for two years. So it's $120,000. That's what goes. So that's like the sub-granting. There is a grow hub that is being created and the grow hub is where there will be capacity building. Tools, facilitation, it's almost like, uh, you know, I help us for three things, technology, financial management and HR. So that's going to be a significant support system. And we are going to engage with the 100 to make sure that we are able to facilitate along with the finance, because that's been our learning for 10 years that, uh, you know, uh, funds come and funds go. But to be able to multiply the effect of funding, we've got to give something more. And the third thing that's going to happen is a very conscious outreach for the 100. We want to talk about these 100 to the world, to the country, to the philanthropists. We want to really demonstrate that India has a rich, rich history and a rich current, uh, you know, it's, it's an example of how diverse projects are coming together to deliver welfare to the people. 
So there's going to be, so there's three parts to really grow. And just one part is $120,000 funding that will go. And then there's a grow hub. And then this is whole, uh, you know, the voice of grow that will go up. I love this grow hub. And um, the idea, I guess, that if, they, if they're successful, not only do they secure the funding, but they also join Possibly you could describe it as a small family of other NGOs who would all cross-pollinate ideas and benefit from yeah. your insight as well. Yeah, yeah. Amen to that. That's what you have. So tell me a little bit about boiling these these 2,300 applications down to just 100, which yeah. is very time-consuming. But give us a little bit of insight into that. Uh, what's involved when you're looking at an application? Because I'm sure there's so many great causes out there. Yeah. So what we've, uh, and especially, uh, again, Indian context, there's just a, a variety of sectors as well, right? So what we've done is we've, we've first said it's sector agnostic. Uh, we've not then listed the sectors that we want. In What we've done is we've capped the sectors. So we've said no sector will receive more than 10% funding. And that in itself is a great hedge. And we're really, so, and we have planned the outreach for growth. The outreach for grow was, how to inform the grassroots that are in the far and beyond in the country uh, that something like this is happening. Because so the see, language plays a very important role in India. Uh, we at the English speaking crowd is actually a minority and uh, the, some of the best work happens in regional languages. So we had a two month outreach in nine regional languages in this country to ensure that people understood what was happening and why they really needed to apply. So uh, we were not, we were actually not focused on, uh, on good fortune and, uh, you know, uh, come if you want. We really went after people and that's why the number is, and, it, and we had rules around how to apply and who should be applying and how uh, they have to be a particular size. And that had narrowed down the funnel. That's how we went to a lot and then it came out in a funnel. Uh, what's, so, so sector agnostic, we've also said that India as a country, we will divide into four zones. It will be north, south, east, west, and there will be 25% representation from each zone. And uh, again, that is a first because usually um, in the Indian context, we, we it's more concentrated in the metros and especially the central part of India. So we went really after the northeast. Uh, my team had uh, almost two to three webinars a week to ensure that Again, the message went out. We've got one webinar out there on YouTube, which people constantly reviewed uh, and, you know, and on how to apply for Grow. And that's how the application happened. So we've, we've got some good ones now. Now, after this is uh, what is their vision? What, the, what is the capacities that they currently have? Uh, how do they, what are they going to do with this money? So it's uh, more or less flexible. It is also non-programmatic. So it's going to be very interesting to see what is the vision for which they need this money. And then they can, you know, the, then the funds can be utilized in many, many, many ways. And that's how the shortlist is going to happen. There's also going to be a jury round where you'll invite members of the sector to really come and watch uh, and bring it down to a, you know, to a 150, 200, and then they'll be finally sliced into 100. The whole process has been uh, set up and we're just, I mean, from tomorrow that process will begin. And how do you identify individuals who would be helpful to you no single organization has an expertise that's so in-depth across every sector yeah absolutely so in the design of grow we are at the center of everything but we are very sure that we will not be doing everything see uh, uh, the thing about grow is to recognize that this is an ecosystem and no one person or one institution is the hero so for example we have uh, we have partnered with social lens which is a very 
a superb organization working on capacity building. So the Grow Hub will be managed by them and they in turn will work with about six, seven uh, delivery partners for capacity building. We've uh, partnered with Grant Thornton to help us run the back-end process and also help us run the, the selection process. We've got a list of, uh, you know, prospective jury members from different sectors, backgrounds, academia, uh, CSR heads, philanthropists who will be, you know, we are, we are just, I mean, the, again, next week is the rolling out of the invites. Uh, again, so diverse uh, insights come into how we are even shortening it and, you know, and, and fulfilling it. We've partnered with another agency for the uh, for the voice piece where we will demonstrate the 100 ideas across. So what we're really doing, we're almost like the director of the movie or the, the key stakeholder of the center. Uh, there's no ways we would be able to pull off all of this ourselves. And I think um, as an institution, especially now, we should all be very fine with partnering with equally bright, fantastic people who are good at their jobs instead of trying to be masters of the whole process. So we're very comfortable with that. And uh, so Grow is being run by Edelgift, but Grow is being delivered by many. And uh, that's going to be the beauty of it. Are there, out of those 2,300, let's say, final round applicants that uh, that will be filtered down to 100, are there specific thematic areas that are that are particularly pronounced whether that's climate or gender or education? So, of course, education, uh, health, and uh, gender are always the largest in terms of the application. So that's happened. But because we'd also, uh, like, focused outreach, we went after, you know, media, we went after uh, rural distress, we went after climate change, we went after disability. Uh, so there were the, we actually had a group of outreach partners with us who were experts or you know renowned uh, organizations in their own right so went through them to ensure that there were applications from their side and uh, 10 to 12 uh, segments were identified at us as by us as very important knowing the knowing the way india is uh, currently and in the recent past uh, so now yeah so the analysis is pending so i don't know how it's really going to turn out but with this agenda and with this kind of design we had gone after uh, the groups. Hmm. Now, this active, this very active outreach that you did in order to be able to solicit applications and expressions of interest for funding, yeah, uh, must have been a little bit of a costly and time-consuming and uh, labor-intensive endeavor, wasn't it? Yeah, sweat, blood, tears, everything. <laughs> <laughs> I have a phenomenal team. Uh, the the beauty and the terror in Grow has been that there's nothing to model it after. We've got some great examples in the corporate world, got bits and pieces that we've seen. We've, we've got a very deep understanding of uh, the intent and the way the grassroots in India operate. That's what we had. Uh, but what is very heartening and sometimes gets me overwhelmed is, is that when this idea was pitched, uh, whether it was the funders who came over, you know, came on board and said, you know, we like this and it's worth taking a bet on, or whether it is the partners uh, who, who jumped in and said, we want to be a part of it, or it is my team who really slaved it out to ensure it comes to this point. I think it's it's just believers who've come together and said, we can do it. And uh, I have no doubt that it won't happen. Uh, now it's all about the pressure that we have now is how well do we want to pull this off? So what more do we need to do? So that's what we're fussing about now. It, it's it's going to happen. It's inevitable. <laughs> and now uh, you, you, you alluded to briefly about 
ideally having a grow two, grow three, you've faced a, what I would imagine is a very steep learning curve in terms of finding yes. out how to put everything together. So, so grow two, grow three, the marginal cost shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. And ma marginal cost, marginal loss of sleep, marginal, uh, uh, you know, marginal anything should be much, much, uh, much lesser. Uh, this is a very well-documented project. Every step is being documented. Learnings are being recorded. Uh, processes are being solidified so that uh, replication is very easy. Excellent. Excellent. How did you, I always love finding out about my guests and their backgrounds and trajectory. How did you get to where you are today? By pure accident. I have no business being here. I'm just, it's just like uh, one fine day, God decided I must be here. And I just had to take that extra turn. I am a chartered accountant. I was in finance and I hated finance. And so I gave it up because I thought it's better not to work than to do stuff that I just don't care about. And um, I just uh, happened to honestly happen to enter Edelgave office because it was so close to my home. Uh, but I was raring to go. So there was this, uh, you know, like a child who has extra energy, like had a lot of sugar, but doesn't know what to do with it. Mm, that was you. <laughs> yes, that was me. I was that child on a high with sugar, but not knowing where to put it. I think Edelgi was just three years old. Uh, Vidya, our chairperson now, uh, she was looking for someone to uh, pull the vision off. I was looking somewhere to really burn off all the sugar I had. And uh, it just happened. And it's, it's been a phenomenal ride after that. I'm going to be completing my 10 years here. Wow. Wow. So talking about completing your 10 years, if we're looking at the next 10 years, if you and I are having a, a coffee or a podcast in 2030 and looking back, what are we going to be saying? I'm going to be saying that we managed to create a dent in the way financing of philanthropy happens in India. And uh, I'm going to be saying that uh, there are so many funds going around and there is so much documentation and so much good data about how welfare is delivered in this country. And uh, that philanthropy uh, has been able to democratize the grassroots instead of uh, reaching out to only those who can reach out to them. So if, if these three things I'm able to say over coffee with you, I am sorted. Excellent. I love it. I love it. And uh, what's that key takeaway you'd love for the audience to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's show? There are, there are a couple of key takeaways. I hope that uh, grow or not grow, we look at welfare and people uh, for what it is uh, from their lens, not from our lens, from their convenience, not from our convenience. Grow is all about moving the convenience to them instead of to us. So I hope that is a key takeaway. Second is watch out for grow because uh, we're going to pull it off. Uh, maybe maybe not a hundred percent, maybe a ninety percent, maybe a one fifty percent, but it will be an interesting story to be unfolded. And the third is that um, I think not being happy with status quo, uh, whether it was in my personal life or whether it was in how I saw philanthropy, I think being satisfied with how things are going is uh, is just too sad. And uh, yeah, and, and it's just so much fun to be able to challenge and get on the other side of things. So I love it. I think I, that I should love it. <laughs> Wishing you the very best of luck with the, uh, the launch of Grow, uh, the Grow Thank Fund. Thank you. Sounds Thank fascinating. You. I look forward to having you back on the show where you'll tell us a little bit more about how things have gone 
and hopefully be introducing Grow 2 and Grow 3 and all of that stuff. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for being such a wonderful host. I loved your questions. Perfect. And that's a wrap. Thanks very much for tuning in. As always, makes a huge difference indeed. You've been listening to Nagma Mula, who is the CEO of the Edelgiv Foundation. For information about this conversation and information on almost 150 other remarkable interviews with thought leaders from around the world, just visit our website at liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I dot org. Please click that subscribe button if you haven't already. Leave us a review if you enjoy the show, and I'll catch you next week.